It's about 11 minutes after 6 a.m. here on this uh, Tuesday, March 21st, 2023, uh, as well as the... Um, as well as the 28th day of the month of Adar, Avrami Finkelstein briefly sitting in for the one and only Nahum Siegel, who should be in in hour number two of the program. And you are listening to your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Sometimes I look in someone else's life And I wonder why can't that be me Sometimes I look in someone else's life And I wish I had the things I see You know what I say? The things you have are meant for you The way you think it Sometimes I look in someone else's life And I wonder why can't that be me Sometimes I look in someone else's life And I wish I had the things I see But I say The things you have are meant for you. The way you think it ain't the truth.
wasch wie neu fest zu fehm, wie neu fest zu fehm. Alech mal in mi Zahl und mi Pazra, mi Zahl und mi Pazra. Rum es zu, kim mit der wasch wie neu fest zu fehm, wie neu fest zu fehm. Ay, teufli, teufli, teuras bicha, Levine with Tovli off of his brand new CD, Lev Chadash. This is Avrami Finkelstein briefly sitting in for the one and only Nachum Siegel. Nachum is expected in in the second hour of the program. A great Tuesday, uh, JM the AM, uh, coming your way right now and all the way through 9 o'clock uh, Eastern time. Uh, we've got uh, Elliot Weisselberg with Yeshiva League Sports coming up at 7.20. A couple of great interviews are scheduled as well. Um, a representative of uh, Yad Ezra Vishulamit from Israel for their wonderful uh, pre-Pesach campaign as well as Ellie Beer from United Hatzalah are both expected later in the program. Uh, coming up after this program, we've got an all-new edition 
of um, Israel at 75 uh, with Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg, a look at uh, uh, big historical events that happened in the forming of the State of Israel in honor of Israel's 75th birthday. Uh, we've got the live lunch coming up at... Um, at 11. We've got uh, Album of the Week somewhere in there as well. So lots of great stuff still to come. Hopefully that you will hopefully you will stay tuned and enjoy. Also uh, we will be replaying um, or for many of you it's the first time hearing it, uh, Nahum's broadcast from Nefesh Benefesh's Medex uh, program uh, that happened on Sunday. That'll be coming up after the uh, Tuesday live lunch. Some great music played already this morning here for you. Uh, post a little bit of technical difficulty difficulties that happened right around the uh, uh, top of the hour. We, of course, started the show with Regesh and Moda'ani. We had Mordecai Shapiro with Boker Tov. We had Joey Newcomb with Ma Tovu. Pimenta Band with Adon Olam. Eden with Yigdal. Shout out to the guys from Eden. I am fortunate enough now, every uh, now and again here, since uh, uh, one of the members uh, uh, made Aliyah to be uh, playing music and hopefully writing some new music uh, with uh, one of the members of Eden. And hopefully that'll be uh, coming out sometime within between now and whenever. Uh, we had Baruch Levine in there, as I mentioned, also with Tovli from his Lev Chadash CD. Just uh, after 6.30 a.m. on the East Coast, of the United States just after 12.30 p.m. here in the city of Beit Shemesh, where this program is being broadcast live, at least for the uh, beginning of the program, on this Tuesday, March 21st, the 28th of Adar. Today's daf is Nazir 57. Apparently there are 10 days left to this Masechta, and then uh, those doing uh, daf Yomi will be moving on to Masechat Sota. Uh, Kala Kavod to all those that are involved in the daf Yomi or any daily learning, whether it's Nach Yomi or Parsha Yomi or Halach Yomi, etc., etc. May you uh, continue to have the strength and the time and the uh, presence of mind and whatever else that it takes to uh, be involved in that. Uh, I am taking requests uh, during uh, the part of the program that I am uh, hosting, so please feel free to post on the app or email me, af at nachumsegel.com. And if it's a request comes up that I don't get to, I'm sure Nachum will get to it uh, once he is uh, here and hosting uh, the program. So uh, looking forward to that. Also letting you know if you or your shul or organization or school that you're affiliated with has an event coming up, let us know. We'll post that on our community calendar here at nachumsegel.com. Nachum Siegel uh, talks about the events while he's hosting. Uh, we talk about it during the live lunches. It's a great free resource that we make available to you our listeners to let people know what you've got going on in your neck of the woods. Pesach is right around the corner and there are events coming up. Uh, Torah lectures or fundraising events or concerts, Chol HaMoed events, though it's a bit of a truncated Chol HaMoed this year uh, as far as being able to go out. Obviously, it's always the same amount of Chol HaMoed, just a matter of uh, events and going out. Um, But yeah, so if you've got something going on, let me know. Email me, af at nachomsegel.com. Also, would like to point everybody's attention to our Chesed campaign that's going on and that has been going on uh, for a while since about uh, Purim time, nachumsegel.com slash chesed. Um, these are uh, organizations and people and so on that Nachum Siegel is highlighting with special guests um, you know, during this month to help, uh, help us all uh, get a little bit more involved in Chesed as we prepare for the uh, Pesach holiday and possibly help others in need prepare for the Pesach holiday. So it's nachumsegel.com slash Chesed, that's C-H-E-S-E-D, and uh, you'll see here already a number of things up there. We have the Elul stuff still on there from earlier in the year, so you could check some of those organizations out, but really right now we're focusing on Nissan up top. Uh, we've got on there the Matzah Fund, the Chevrogamach, uh, Chabad of Poland, and their Pesach initiative that was featured yesterday on JM and the AM. Uh, Yad Ezra Vishulamid is on there, and they're going to be hopefully featured today on JM and the AM. And of course, Ms. Oskim is always on there, as this is always the uh, uh, memory of Yanki Meyer, the Yanki Meyer Nissan Chesed campaign going on now. So uh, stay tuned for all of that, and check out that page if you're looking for ways to uh, 
uh, or ideas of how to get involved and help those for the holiday of Pesach. Uh, we're going to go back to the music right now. Uh, uh, with something relatively new as well. This is the Melody Band featuring Avi Man and the Nagina Choir uh, with the live funk medley. That's going to take us into the second uh, set of the morning. We've got the news from Israel hopefully coming up in about uh, 26 minutes or so and a whole lot more coming your way, so make sure that you stay tuned. This is Avrami, and you are tuned into JM and the AIM being broadcast live from Beit Shemesh, Israel, here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Na, 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 Na 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 צריכים לזוז בזה, אני בטוח, לארוז לנוח, תוך כדי נבין לאן. חיכינו די, אז רק תגידו
Growing up, I watched my mama doing laundry in the sink, and my brother's clothes and mine were kind of tattered. But we had love and we had faith, and there was laughter in our home. So I guess we had the only things that mattered. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Be it smooth, be it rough, you just can't say it enough. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Nothing much has changed as the days and years flew by. If it wasn't sad, you'd say it's kind of funny. <laughs> Though I surely can't proclaim that I've tried my very best. Just like my folks, I'm not too good at making money. But Hashem knows what He's doing. It's His world after all. Why waste time in useless second-guessing? All the trials and tribulations are but means to help us grow. So instead of counting money, count your blessings. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Be it smooth, be it rough, you just can't say it enough. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. There was a time not long ago, I'm not too proud to say, when I resented the good fortune of my friends. How I wish I could take back the envy and the pain, as it brought me less than nothing in the end. But I've cast aside that burden, I'm happy and I'm free, growing up taught me a thing or two. Now I go around with my guitar and sing for all to hear. The grass is mighty green on my side too. Everyone together. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Be it rough, you just can't say it enough. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem.
most amazing dream last night It was very thrilling and entrancing The world became a place so filled with light And in my dream Jews everywhere were dancing Because Mashiach had arrived Peace and love began to thrive No more war, no more hate A time to celebrate a high Since long ago at Har Sinai Chavedim ko Yisroel Mi she'asa nisim Asa nisim l'avoteinu Ve'ga'al otam Me'avdut l'cheru Hu'gal otanu Pada otanu Hu'kibet nidachinu Hashem, we beg of you, please make this dream come true. By now it's surely known, we just can't do it on our own. And oh, for centuries, we've waited patiently.
with Mordechai Shapiro. I want to thank Avrami. He took care of things early this morning. I was in shul. Today is my father's yard site, his 15th yard site, Harav Zeb and Rebisif Halevi. My thanks to Avrami, who actually uh, kicked off part of the uh, early sh- uh, part of the show with Mordechai Shapiro. And we're closing out the hour with Mordechai Shapiro here at JM in the AM. Ellie Beer, an hour from now, the brand new Art Scroll book is called, 60, it's called 90 Seconds. And uh, we'll speak about 
his amazing career with the United Hatzalah coming up here at JM and the AM. Dalit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. News, 1 p.m. newscast next to JM and the AM. הליכוד דגת דבריו של שר הכלכלה ברקת, לבגץ אין סמכות להתערב בתיקון חוק יסוד שקובע כיצד ימונו שופטים, מדווח כתב התחום הפוליטי שחר גליק. בהודעת הליכוד נכתב, הדיון האבסורדי על משבר חוקתי רק ממחיש עד כמה דרושה הרפורמה, לבגץ אין סמכות או עילה להתערב בתיקון לחוק יסוד הקובע כיצד ימונו שופטים, לכן אין מקום למשבר חוקתי, כך הליכוד. התגובה מגיעה לאחר שמוקדם יותר היום אמר חבר הכנסת ניר ברקת מהמפלגה, כי במקרה בו בגץ יפסול את התיקונים, הוא יכבד את החלטת בית המשפט כלשונה, ולא ייתן יד לכאוס. ושר החינוך בטייס הקרב במילואים יואב קיש תקף את מחאת אנשי המילואים שמסרבים להתייצב לשירות ואמר, הם אנרכיסטים. מדובר בהחלטות שהן כנגד משטר דמוקרטי, מדובר באנרכיסטים, אין מקום לסרבנות. אפס מקום. יותר מזה, בעיניי צריך להתנהג מי שיחליט לפעול כך בחומרה הכי גדולה בעניין הזה, להפסיק את השירות שלו מיידית. שמות קציני ולוחמי הממ"מ ואנשי הסייבר ההתקפי הגיבו על דבריו ומסרו כי איש מכר את נשמתו לרודן אנחנו לא נהיה כוח וגנר שלכם בשום מצב ידיעה שמסר כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש בתוך כך ועדת החוקה החלה לפני שעה קלה את דיוניה במתווה החדש להרכב הוועדה למינוי שופטים בהתאם לשינוי החד צדדי של הקואליציה חברת הוועדה אפרת רייטן אמרה בגלי צה"ל אין שינוי בין המתווה החדש להצעה הקודמת זה אותה הגברת בשינוי הדרך, פוליטיזציה מוחלטת. כי יש שלושה שרים ושלושה חברי כנסת מהקואליציה ממנים את השופטים בלי שבכלל יש שם שום קול ושום הכרעה לגורמים המקצועיים. אפשר למנות את מי שאתה רוצה, איך שאתה רוצה, רק על ידי פוליטיקאים, וזה איום ונורא. תושב הדרום נידון ל-15 שנות מאסר לאחר שהורשע בביצוע עבירות מין קשות בשתי החיות בנותיה של אשתו במשך מספר שנים. הוא נידון גם לשנה וחצי מאסר על תנאי ולתשלום של 80 אלף שקלים לכל אחת מהאחיות. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו בדרום רמי שני. המשטרה עצרה צעיר מבני ברק בחשד שידע אבנים לעבר רכבו של רופא ערבי בעיר. הרופא, תושב ערערה, הגיע למשמרת ביום שבת ולדבריו הותקף על רקע לאומני בידי קבוצת גברים שזרקו לעברו אבנים, ניפצו את שמשות מכוניתו ואיימו עליו. כתובתנו בתל אביב, אנה פינס מוסיפה ששאר החשודים טרם נעצרו. מזג האוויר, עלייה בטמפרטורות שתחזורנה להיות רגילות בעונה. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
a.m. in the a.m. with Yehuda Green and Nigo and Moshe. Rock Rock was done by Shlemy Gertner. You heard Shlomo Simcha open up this set with Asay here at J.M. in the a.m. Welcome to a, um, what is today, Tuesday? Welcome to a Tuesday, <laughs> and thanks for joining us. Uh, Thursday is Rosh Chodesh Nisan. We're getting closer and closer to the great holiday of Pesach, just over two weeks away. Our big celebration, of course, this week is Thursday here in New York City, Friday over in New Jersey, as we dedicate the two brand new studios. And I want to thank everybody for the good wishes and everybody out there who's been uh, really sending along some uh, beautiful sentiments, much appreciated. A fire took place last year on the 27th of March, and this Thursday on the 23rd of March, we will begin to dedicate our uh, brand new studios as we have uh, taken a, a a virtual entity, a global virtual entity, and have turned it into uh, or have added a physical global entity with studios in New York, New Jersey, and Jerusalem. That has been the aftermath of this horrific fire of last year, and it's only with your help that we were able to do all this. And as I say, it is much appreciated. That is for sure. Uh, Ellie Beer is going to join us coming up. Also, we'll speak to our friends from Yad Ezra Vashulamit. They have a pre-Pesach campaign going on. Ellie Beer is going to discuss the brand new book that Rabbi Seltzer wrote called 90 Seconds. He'll join us at about 8 o'clock this morning. Right here at JM and the AM. Today is my uh, father's yard site, 15th yard site, believe it or not. I want to thank Avrami for starting the show, so I was able to be in shul. Much appreciated. Uh, what do we got here? Oh, we have our friends from the New York Boys Choir. They're next at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. You did done by the New York Boys Choir. Listener Schwiger, thank you very nice. Uh, thank you very much, rather, for that nice uh, sentiment on this uh, 15th yard side of my father. And Schwiger does remind me that today is, I knew this, that Iris Silber, our dear friend Iris Silber, his yard site's also today, his 19th yard site. Thank you for remembering, Ira. Quite a guy. Zena says, greetings from Hollywood, Florida, enjoying jam them no matter where I am. Thank you. Tikva says, happy birthday to Zevi Stral Adler in honor of his 15th birthday. That's, of course, <laughs> that's of course my father's great-grandson who um, was born just before. My father passed away, but I'm talking about hours before. And then during Shiva, who was named Zev Yisrael Adler. Happy birthday, Zev Yisrael. Wow, that's, a, that's quite a memory. Um, listener Silky asks, or says that the, our father's Neshama Shevan Aliyah. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, my cash says it's hard to believe it's 15 years. That's for sure. It is very hard to believe it's 15 years. Um, Ellie Beer is going to join us coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio, artscroll.com, promo code radio. Uh, the book is called 90 Seconds. 90 Seconds is the name of the book. Coincidentally, as he and I always remember, Elliot Weiselberg's father's yard site is today. Avraham Menashe Ben Dov Ber Halevi, his 17th yard site. And he will be dedicating today's Yeshiva League sports update to his father's memory as we dedicate our program this morning to my father's memory as well. Elliot Weiselberg with the Yeshiva League sports update. Lots of, uh, lots of really cool information. There have been some championships that have been played. Yeah, and things like that. Elliot Weiselberg, our Yeshiva League sports update on a Tuesday morning at JM in the AM. Thanks, Nachum. Today's JM in the AM sports update is dedicated in memory of my father, Avraham Menashe Ben Dober Halevi, on this, his 17th yard site. Straight ahead on the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update, we crown our final two champions of the 2022-2023 winter season as boys JV and varsity basketball takes center court. Good morning, I'm Elliot Weiselberg. A year after Championship Sunday saw four New York teams fighting for the JV and varsity crowns, we returned to a more traditional New York-New Jersey affair. The JV matchup kicked off the afternoon with two West teams as number one CTABC squared off with number two Ramaz. The underdogs would hold the upper hand for most of the contest as the Rams held seven-point leads out of the first and second quarters and would even hold a double-digit lead in the closing moments of the third, paced by the inside play of sophomore Isaac Ohayon and the hot hand from beyond the arc sophomore Nate Schur who would finish the afternoon with 15 and 12 points respectively. However, foul trouble would be the name of the game for both teams, but especially for Ramaz, and it gave TABC new life in the final quarter. 
prior to that point. TABC had been a dreadful 3-for-10 from the line, but sophomores Ayal Kindler and Yona Mandel would combine to shoot 6-of-8 from the charity stripe in the final 8 minutes, and the Storm would outscore the Rams 18-4 to down the stretch to erase the deficit and turn it into a 6-point TABC victory 46-40. to Kindler and Mandel finished with 14-11 and respectively, but Mandel's massive back-to-back threes were the spark that brought the Storm back from near-certain defeat, earning him MVP honors. The win completes the undefeated season for the Storm, who bring home their second JV title in the last six years. The main event of the afternoon would prove to be a real catfight, as the North Shore Lions and Frisch Cougars matched up for the varsity trophy. Frisch would find their groove early, specifically senior Alex Zockheim, who single-handedly outscored the Lions 11-10 in the first quarter. But a rare off day for the Cougars as a whole proved to be their undoing as Norshall would allow only one bucket from the field in the second quarter and jump out to a 24-17 halftime lead. Zockheim would continue to drain shots, finishing the afternoon with a game-high 24, but by the time the rest of the Frisch squad found their groove, Norshall had already opened up a double-digit lead and did not slow down, riding a 26-point fourth quarter to a 63-43 championship victory. Junior Ben Abizade led a group of nine Lion players making marks on the score sheet, topping 20 points en route to pulling in a varsity final MVP to match the JV MVP that he took home in last year's championship by the Lions. Senior David Orbach and junior Jordan Zarka each added double figures in the North Shore victory, helping lead North Shore to their second varsity title and the junior group to their second championship in a two-year stretch. With that, another winter sports season has drawn to a close. However, that does not mean that the competition is over. The close of the Yeshiva League basketball season means that it is time for the 2023 Red Saracek Tournament. Starting this Thursday, you can tune into Max Live and Yeshiva League Pass for all the action as 24 of the nation's top teams converge on Yeshiva University to vie for the most prestigious title in Yeshiva basketball. We'll recap all the action for you right here next week. And that was your Tuesday morning jam in the AM Sports Update. I'm Elliot Weisselberg.
Jam in the AM with the Shiva Boys and Ashray. Tuesday morning broadcast, Jam in the AM. Thanks for joining us. Ellie Beer is going to be uh, our guest in the 8 o'clock hour as we discuss the brand new book entitled 90 Seconds. It's an art scroll release written by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. We get an opportunity to speak with Ellie about it. After all, it is his story, the story of United Hatzalah. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Echonishmas Harav Zevin of Alevi, whose yard site is today, and of course, Esther Basri of Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We find the Medrash and Mishle on the Pasuk Lishmar Mesusas Pischi to guard the doorposts of my dwelling. Om Rabbi Tanchum, Rabbi Tanchum said, Chayev Adam Loseis Mezuzah Al Pesach Beso. A person is obligated to place a mezuzah on the doorway. Rabbi Levi Omer, however, Rabbi Levi says, Shte mezuzos, two mezuzos on each door. Achas mikan v'achas mikan, one on one side and the other on the other side. Rabbi Shmuel Omer, mezuzah achas. Rabbi Shmuel says one mezuzah. And the Chachomim say that indeed the law is according to Rabbi Shmuel. Why is this so? Because if a person would have two mezuzos, they would never know which one is the main one and which is secondary. The halacha is like Rabbi Shmuel. This is a wondrous idea because we have to know the truth. Maybe both of them are the Iker. Maybe both of them are the main mitzvah. It is explained by the great Rabbi Shlomo Zaman Auerbach that the real question is, Hashem has put the mezuzah to guard a person when he goes out and when he comes in. A person has to think, which one of those are the main guarding, the main protection that we need? The Shmira when we go out or the one when we come in? Of course, we would say that the main Shmirah is when a person leaves their house, they go to the marketplace, they go to the streets of the world. Then a person needs Shmirah El Yona in a greater form. Also in terms of Yerushamayim, there are so many different Nisyonos, so many challenges and tribulations when a person goes into the public. As we know, the great Vilna Gaon, before he used to go out, he used to learn Musar. The fact that we establish that the mezuzah is placed on the right side when a person enters shows that the shmira in the house, in our own homes, is the ikr. That is the main part that we need shmira for. Because the first thing that a person has to know is that they are careful in their own home with yirashamayim. They're careful with their own family. Hashem will guard them as well when they go into the streets of the world. We find that this din, this law, that we only are koveya one mezuzah on the right side when we enter, teaches us that inside of our own homes we need the main shmira. This is a great limud for everyone, especially for a chosan and kala, that come to create their own home, that will build a home of Baisem of Israel, to have the knowledge that their own home must be a fortress of faith. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you Morning Chizik. 
Have a nice day. JM in the AM, Tuesday morning broadcast, couple of days away from Rosh Chodesh Nissan. And our um, annual Nissan Chesed campaign is in full swing. And one of the causes that we are always discussing on the air is Yad Ezra Veshul Amit. This is the outfit in Israel that um, is feeding needy children and their families on a regular basis. They have a special campaign before Pesach entitled Let My Children Eat. Uh, whoever is hungry, let him come eat. And those of you who would like to give, as we always say, when it comes to uh, Tzedakah, very generous people out there, when it comes to Tzedakah before Pesach, people are even more generous. So if you want to add Yad Ezra Vishula meat to your roster of causes as we get closer to Rosh Chodesh Nisan, it's Yad Ezra, E-Z-R-A, Yad Ezra, E-Z-R-A dot net, Slash Siegel, S E G A L, Yad Ezra, E Z R A dot net, slash Siegel, S E G A L. Tfila Booksbaum has been a guest of ours before, director of resource development at Yad Ezra Vishula Meet. And um, she'll be discussing the current campaign with us. Tfila Booksbaum, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much for having me. I would assume since the last time we spoke, the number of people and children that your organization has to help on a regular basis has only increased. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but Pesach is hard for me to make with (laughs) all the expenses involved in terms of what you have to buy for not just the food, everything around Pesach, and all all the more so for uh, poor people who have a hard time meeting meeting ends, making ends meet on a monthly basis. Yeah, the numbers for Pesach, the requests go up. We usually give 12,000 food baskets away a week. For Pesach, you're talking about 55,000. And that means 55,000 families or entities, because sometimes it's single mothers and children, depending on the situation. But you're talking about 55,000 different addresses that Yad Ezra Vishulamit is trying their best to get food to before Pesach. Well, I I just want to make it clear. 55,000 baskets does not necessarily mean 55,000 families because if you give a family a basket that they have 10 kids and you Uh give them one chicken, it doesn't do much good. So it could be two baskets for that family. But yeah, you're talking, we're we're talking about feeding close to three, over, I'm sorry, over 300,000 people in Israel for Pesach. Wow, unbelievable. What is in the basket? You just mentioned chicken, but I would assume that there's a variety of things that people are getting before Pesach in order to enhance and, and allow them the opportunity to observe the holiday. What traditionally is in a Passover food basket? So, you know, we try to give everything that you would need for your own home. You know, there's, there's obviously there's going to be matzah, and there's chicken, and there's grape juice, and there's matzah meal, and there's oil, and sugar, and all the basics, plus the potatoes, and the carrots, and the vegetables. You know, you fill a whole basket of, of food up, plus, uh, you know, everything that's needed for the Seder. It, uh, it adds up to quite a hefty sum, as we all know. And how did you get to this point? I know the organization obviously started off with the number of people that at the beginning needed some help, but it's amazing how it's grown to this point, and now essentially you're responsible for this incredible number of families to feed. How did the organization get to this point where they're now uh, dealing with so many families? So as uh, the founder, R.A. Lurie, who grew up in poverty, and he grew up hungry in Israel, and he started the organization, and he said, I'm going to do something for Klai Israel. Uh, nobody should grow up hungry. He said, you know, when I started giving out 50 food baskets a week in my neighborhood, I had no idea it was going to 
skyrocketed to so many. But as the name got out and more people um, knew the address where to turn to for help, which was Yad Ezra Shlomit, more people started coming, and uh, Hashem helped us. We grew to be the address in Israel for poor people. Yeah, you're a victim of your own success because as, pe- as people Correct. realized how reliable you are as a stuck organization, as a service to families who really need you, uh, the numbers uh, obviously just continued to increase. Those of you out there who are inclined to help support the poor people in Israel who are beneficiaries of the work of Yad Ezra Veshula Meet, you could go now. It is, after all, just a couple of days before Rosh Chodesh Nisan, and they are desperate for the funds that you're ready to um, set aside for them. It's Yad Ezra, E-Z-R-A, yadezra.net slash Siegel, yadezra, E-Z-R-A dot net slash Siegel, S-E-G-A-L. You can go to that website and you can give generously and you can make sure that more and more families will be supported. Uh, average cost for a family, I know some families have 10 children. I know some have you know, much less or more, whatever the case is. I know it's not easy to, to give a specific figure, but you're, you're basically on average dedicating how much stuck of money to each family. So um, we have two programs. The Food Basket Program it's about $150 a basket. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the people that, you know, if, if you come to our offices, you see the swarms of people waiting outside signing up for a basket. And we, we're we limited by what we receive from donors in America and abroad. We give as much as we can. So when you can't give a whole basket of $150, we give food vouchers for 200 shekels. And the, the intention behind that is actually from ha- Chaim Kanievsky, we went to him and uh, Ravari Lurie went to him and said, what should I do? There's just so many requests for food baskets. Do you give, you know, you turn people away or do you give less to everybody and make sure everybody gets something? And that's what Haim Kanievsky told him. He said, give less and more. So we started the food voucher program based on this where uh, if we can't give a whole food basket, if you give him 200 shekels and he can go to the store and buy mamash really basics for the Seder, Everybody gets something. Boy. It's Books Bookspam is with us live from Israel. Yadezra.net slash Siegel. Y-A-D-E-Z-R-A dot net slash Siegel. S-E-G-A-L. And by the way, if you recall the last time you were on Tfila, um, this is nothing compared to the average uh, year-round responsibility of Yad Ezra Vishulamid. In other words, now we're concentrating on Pesach and the list of items that you've gone through and all the different people that need to get, uh, you know, what they need for the holiday. But this is in addition to all the programs and school supplies and different things that are going on on a regular basis from Yad Ezra Vishulamid. That's correct. We, uh, we really are trying to focus on the children and make sure that they gr- don't grow up in poverty or let me rephrase that, to, to cushion the results of growing up in poverty. If they come from a poor home and they don't have basics, what is that kid going to turn out like? But if he comes, we have a children's center where he comes in every day, he gets a hot lunch and help with his homework. They give uh, new coats in the beginning of the winter and boots and sweaters and a heater and a blanket, and they give school supplies and a school bag, and they take him out on trips in the summer, and the summer camp that the kids should feel normal so that he can have a chance to break out of the cycle of poverty. The founder of Yad Ezra Ari Lurie, always says, he says, I grew up poor. He said, and when somebody gave me a torn coat, nobody thought less of me. It didn't affect my self-esteem. Today, can't do that anymore. Right. 
we have to, he said, you know, Hashem put these children in the world. We, we have to help them reach their potential by just maintaining the dignity. So, yes, we do give 12,000 food baskets out every week, and we feed 500 children every day. I want to just mention another program. You know, there's a population in Israel that um, people forget about, and that's infants. If a, mercy, if a mother can't nurse her baby and she needs formula, the formula in Israel is very expensive. I think it's also expensive over there. And people came to us and said, women, mothers, can't, we can't feed our babies. And uh, Larry started a program where he gives out baby formula for those infants. So again, we're trying to reach the people, the most vulnerable populations in Israel that need food the most. Now, I understand that even in America, there are many people who are struggling and uh, it's hard to put Pesach together, but I just want to say, like that rabbi said a few minutes ago, you know, you need Shmira Bifnim in, in the house and outside the house. And as it says, you know, Tzedakah Metzil Memavos, Tzedakah saves from death, it certainly saves from everything. You see tremendous bracha in your life, in every area. When you care about those, many, many people say that, um, many sources say that the poor in Eretz Israel are considered like the poor in your city, the Anei Erecha. Eretz Israel is part of is part of all of us. So um, I, I would like to ask that, you know, Jewish people all over the world, you know, everybody gets a little bit, and then everybody has. You know, we learned in a couple of parshas ago, Moshe said to everybody, stop giving contributions for the Mishkan. Why? Because if everybody gives a little bit, there's plenty. So we're asking you to open your hearts and think of the poor in Israel and give a helping hand. You know, we go to the Pesach Seder and we say, everybody who's ever hungry, let them come eat. The Rabbi Larry always says, if you would see these children, if a child would come to your door and say, can I have food, there's no one listening to this broadcast that would say no. Hmm. We're just on the front lines. We see it. We <laughs> see it. And if you'd see it, everybody would want to help. Do whatever you can. Everybody is a little. Jewish people are wonderful, and together we'll all have a wonderful Pesach. And you're doing quite a good job at it. All right. Uh, Yad Ezra Vishulamit, everybody. They are on the front lines, as you heard, of the uh, situation in Israel, the poor families that are in great need, especially now before Pesach. We have an opportunity to help out. It's two days away from Rosh Chodesh Nisan, and our Nisan campaign, our Chesed campaign, is in full swing. Uh, we are encouraging you to give to a variety of uh, causes over the next couple of weeks. If you want to help the Aniye Ircha, if you want to help those who are um, poor people in Jerusalem and Israel, but who are considered, and we've heard this before, uh, even before Tzvila told us uh, this morning, uh, that the poor of Jerusalem are in fact considered uh, as if they were poor people of your own community. Um, if you want to help them out, it's yadezra.net slash Siegel, yadezra, E-Z-R-A dot net slash Siegel, S-E-G. A.L., you have an opportunity there to provide food baskets for families for this coming Pesach. Tefillah Booksbaum, thank you so much for joining us. Echai Kasher V'Sameach, and I hope the campaign is a great success. Amen. Thank you so much, and I wish you a happy and a kosher Pesach. Amen. Thanks so much for that. More coming up. It's JM in the AM. Thank you. 
Sham in the AM. You heard Eitan Katz, brand new from the um, Shar Yoshev album with Mizmar Ladovid and the Mishmar Anthem. Before that, Shim Kramer had Sameach. And this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemSiegel.com and the AlchemSiegel Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Our friends at ArtsGirl have released a brand new book. I had an opportunity to read it a couple of days ago, and it's pretty amazing. It's the epic story of Ellie Beer and United Hatzalah. The book is called 90 Seconds. It's written by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, whose credentials don't have to be described to this audience. You're quite familiar with his work. It is a uh, close to 500-page book, The Incredible Story of Ellie Beer and United Hatzalah. Go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio for your major discount and, of course, free shipping. Always use Promo code radio at artscroll.com. Our guest this morning is Ellie Beer. Uh, he is the subject of the book 90 Seconds. He's a great friend. He's a, a, a brand new grandfather again. Yesterday he had a, uh, another grandchild, Baruch Hashem. He and his wife and the entire family, of course, are celebrating Baruch Hashem. And um, he has been an amazing friend of ours for many, many years. We've actually spoken about this amazing story more than once, but now it's in this incredible, um, uh, incredible um, a book that Rabbi Seltzer has written, and that gives us the entire history of United Hatzalah. Ellie Beer, a special privilege to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Uh, good afternoon and good morning to you. <laughs> Thank you for that. A mazal tov to you. And it's funny because so much of uh, what you've been through over all these years, um, it, it feels like we've sort of told the story in different stages through different conversations as the years have gone on, whether it was the development of United Hatzalah, whether it was the introduction of the Ambu cycle, whether it was your own um, uh, difficulty with COVID, which, of course, we had a chance to discuss uh, after you had recovered, thank God. Uh, but having it all in one book, for you, that must be an amazing feeling. What's your reaction now that the book is out? Well, uh, you know, listen, I, I never thought one day, three days after, three years after I would be laying in a hospital in, in, uh, in Miami uh, fighting for my life, I would hold a book of uh, my last 33 years. Uh, I, I It's like a... It's really um, it gives me a little perspective of I never really looked back to see what United Atsala was doing, the volunteers. I never really paid attention. And all of a sudden, I'm reading Nachman Seltzer's book. <laughs> and I'm saying, wow, I can't believe it. It's incredible stories about volunteers, about chutzpah, about incredible miracles. And it makes you feel good, and it makes you want to do more. And you have been doing more. There's a lot of aspects to the book. I mean, the, the, you know, supporting the organization is a challenge, and obviously you have friends and supporters around the world who've understood the importance of the mission. Uh, but I think one of the more uh, interesting parts and that, that many people would find a challenge is the united part of United Hatzalah. Um, I paid careful attention to the chapters that discussed how you went ahead and really brought everybody under one roof because the Hatzalah-type organizations in Israel were pretty scattered and pretty independent, and you felt it was really necessary to gather everyone together. Some may think that that's a very hard thing to do in the Jewish world. How did you pull it off? Well, 
Well, listen, you know, our enemies are very strong. We unite. And we see that all the time. Unfortunately, now in Israel, we have such a diversity, such fights, such people don't want to talk to each other and people are fighting with each other. In 2006, we had a very bad war in Israel, Lebanon, Second Lebanese War. And I saw that as an opportunity when the Hezbollah were planning to murder every single human being in Israel, every Jew, not only Jews, but they wanted to kill Israelis living here. And they were launching missiles and towards Israel and in the south, and actually mostly in the south, in the north, but also in the center. And we had we had we had missiles were were attacked every minute. And people, you know, were worried what's going to be with Israel. And that's when I took all the Hatzalas in Israel. Like they had twenty five different, you know, branches. And I said, listen, we have to meet together. We have to meet, and we have to talk about making one organization. Not only that, I want to bring others. I want to build 200 Hatzalas in Israel. I want to bring the secular Jews together. I want to bring the Dathiromi Jews together. I want to bring the Haredi Jews, the, the, the Hasidim, the Litvaks, the everyone together, and even non-Jews. People thought I'm crazy. I'll never succeed. And I said, we have to do it. This is our mission. If we want to save lives, we need to bring everyone together. You can't say I'm saving lives only for my community, but not saving lives for the community next door because they're not the same color. We're not the same. We have to save lives together in Israel. And that's, and that's how we succeeded during the war. That was in the bomb shelter. You read about it in the book. So today, um, is that the current situation today? Is everybody united under one umbrella? When people say Hatzalah, they're referring to one nationwide organization. Well, unfortunately, not 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 complete. You know, it's very hard to unite people. It's very easy to separate people. Very easy to cause machloket. Very very unfortunately, very hard to unite. We. When we made these decisions to make a one organization, we called anyone who wants us being our standard. Uh, first of all, accepting others. If you want to accept others, uh, this is your place. But a lot of people were not happy with this. It was not easy. It was, it was very difficult. People said, oh, you're having secular Jews. We don't want to be together with them. You're having Haredi Jews. We don't want to be together with them. Anyone who doesn't want to be in one roof will not join us. And we were... We were 95% successful, not 100. I don't think we'll ever be 100. You know, I was learning uh, the Megillah, you know, not only reading the Megillah, learning the Megillah, I was always interested in knowing why Mordechai Yehudi was not Ratsui Barovachov. It was Ratsui Barovachov, not Ratsui Kolechov. Why wasn't he loved and accepted by everyone? You know, always have people who were, you know, were not, not be happy to be, you know, weren't, happy with Mordechai and for different reasons. But when we came with United at Salah in 2006, it was the right opportunity to say, let's unite, let's make achdus. It was so much machlokas going on. It was, but, but the Hezbollah brought us together and we were successful. 95% of all the Hatzalas in Israel united under one, united Hatzalah. Does that include some of the communities of Judea and Samaria? Do you have Hatzalas that are under your umbrella there as well? Every community in Yudavish Ramon, and like every other community in Israel, by us we don't see a difference between Israel and Yudavish Ramon. Right. It's the same place. We didn't want to divide. It used to be that they were all divided. Oh, Hatzalah for B'nai Brak, Hatzalah for Haifa, Hatzalah for B'nai, for 
to Telstone. Each one is separate. If you were visiting your grandmother in Telstone, you couldn't, you couldn't save anyone's life. Now, you could be a volunteer from a kibbutz in the south with an earring on your, on your right ear and with a tattoo in your hand and your arm, and you, you go to B'nai Brak to visit your grandmother, you could save someone's life there. There's no difference. There's no, we are one organization. You see, uh, I, I was sitting at the United Artella Center this week, and I saw a volunteer from a kibbutz called Mazra. I don't know if you ever heard of Mizra. Mm. That's a kibbutz that grow, they grow pigs. This is the kibbutz in Israel that grow pigs. I asked him where he live. He told me Mizra. I said, oh, Mizra, is that the place with the chazirim, with the pigs? He said, yes, we're talking, and he loves Atzala. He's a guy who's never been to shul before. And he's, uh, he's, we're talking, he's in the court. And he came to Yerushalayim, and, I, and all of a sudden, another volunteer comes into the building in Yermiyahu Street, and he has payas, long payas, and a beard, and a big white uh, yarmulke on his head. So I, I look at him, and I said, are you a volunteer? He says, yeah, I need me to I volunteer Masharim. I said, really, what chassid are you? He says, I'm told this Aaron. He said, told us, Aaron. I said, do you know this volunteer from Mazra? You ever met him before? He said, what are you kidding? I'm in the course together with him. We're learning together in the course. <laughs> and I said, do you get along? He says, we get along. We train with each other. We love each other. We, we accept each other. And no one's trying to change each other. No, everyone's, everyone's, everyone's living their life but accepting others. And that's what we have to be all about, accepting other people, no matter who they are. And you want to you make a kid a Shashem. Do chesed, do good things, and that's how you have to be mashpia and other people. Ellie Beer is with us live via telephone. The book is called 90 Seconds, The Epic Story of Ellie Beer and United Hatzalah. We will discuss why the book is called 90 Seconds in a moment. Um, it, it, one, of the, uh, one of the reasons that the epiphany was so effective, the one that you had about uh, creating ambu-cycles, is because of the traffic situation in so many different areas of Israel. Tough to get ambulances through. You came up with this idea. It hit you uh, that if you would have uh, some type of mini-ambulance, so to speak, on a motorcycle, an ambu-cycle, it would have a tremendous amount uh, of access to areas that uh, they would never be able to get through with an ambulance. Why have we not seen this model of AmbuCycle adopted in other major cities around the world? Well, some cities they did. I was just in Brazil a couple months ago, and I went to see the AmbuCycles of the city of Brazil. Actually, sorry, the city of Sao Paulo. The the 911 there, they started building these ambicycles and I went to see them and the head of the the 911 system, the EMS, told me that he learned it from what he saw uh, in Israel. Now, a lot of people don't know who the organization in Israel is. He said, I saw these orange ambicycles, these motorcycles. Many years ago, I was in Israel and I saw it and I said, I have to build it here. And people are copying the model, but unfortunately, not enough. You know, I want it to be everywhere. I want United Atella model of volunteers driving two-wheelers instead of four-wheelers. Very hard. I'm in Yerushalayim now. Traffic, I wait. If someone had to show him, would be choking. He would wait 20 minutes for an ambulance if it wasn't for the ambicycle. And it happens everywhere. People die waiting for help. And we could prevent a lot of these unnecessary deaths if we have volunteers ready to jump on a two-wheeler on a siren with medical supplies and a defibrillator, they get their test. But yes, it's much harder to to drive. It's a mysterious nefesh. It's a real mysterious nefesh. You know, I'd rather drive a Lexus 
with air conditioning and music than drive a two-wheeler in the heat of B'nai Brak, or the cold weather of Yerushalayim. But you know what? When you want to have a mission of 90 seconds, you want to get there in 90 seconds, the only way you could do it is if you give up some of your comfort. Right. And this is giving up your comfort. Uh, I didn't even think of that, that obviously weather is a factor, and there are probably other factors as well that don't always make it easy for people or communities to implement it. And th- this idea of uh, someone, God forbid, um, you know, losing their battle for life because they had to wait. I forgot how you put it a moment ago. Uh, it was those types of stories that got you started, right? It was what you saw with your own eyes. People literally die because dying because they were not able to get the help in time that helped start this entire effort. Well, I started I started this whole organization not knowing it's going to turn into United Hatzalah. This was just because I was a young boy. I was when I was a child. I was a Marniak's a bus that blew up and died for God, and people died waiting for help. It was a terrible disaster in my neighborhood. Six people died. It was on the twelve bus. It a Friday afternoon, and growing up, I remembered what I saw, how people were laying there screaming for help. I said, one day I want to save someone's life, and I went to volunteer in an ambulance, and being in the back of an ambulance, I used to write down every emergency call, the time we got it and the time we got to the emergency, and it took us time, it took us 17 minutes on average. And I realized every single time we got to someone who was not breathing, by the time we got there, we couldn't do anything. We would try, but it was it was irreversible. You can't reverse brain damage and death. And healthy people who just had some kind of episode, someone choked or someone had an allergic reaction and they were waiting too long, they would just die. And I didn't understand why no one's doing anything before the ambulance. And that's when, if you read on the book, you'll see what triggered this whole idea was that 70-year-old boy who choked while he was eating lunch, he, was cho- he choked on a hot dog. And we arrived 21 minutes too late. And we couldn't save him. And uh, that's where the idea came up. You have to read the book and see how simple the idea was. It's not some, I didn't come up with a, like a medicine for cancer. You have to do research for 50 years. This is simple. When you scream for help because someone needs help, you don't have to wait 20 minutes for an ambulance. The book is called 90 Seconds, and the goal was to literally be able to have people who are in these desperate situations contact Hatzalah, and 90 seconds later, somebody be at their doorstep in their apartment, in their home, helping the person who is in distress. First of all, uh, for those who might be skeptical, is this a reality? 90 seconds is a very short period of time. Is that the situation now where where so many calls can be answered and a member of Hatzalah, uh, a, you know, could be there uh, on the spot within 90 seconds? Well, if you, I can give you a very simple example that many of you use. You use the Uber app to get, or Lyft to get people, to get drivers, random drivers to take you to the airport or anywhere you need Years ago, he used to call it car service, that he would wait maybe sometimes an hour right. uh, for a car to come to you. Now that you have thousands of drivers with their own private cars who are willing to drive people, of course, for money, but they are spread around like a network. And someone quote, presses a button, and within a minute or two, someone shows up on the doorstep and takes you to the airport. This is the idea of United Hotel. We're the life-saving Uber 
we're the, we're the, but we are volunteers. So the motivation by us is much higher. No one gets paid. The volunteers are on the field. All, they do this all for the goodness of their heart. And they're driving their cars or they're driving their ambicycle. We have volunteers who are taxi drivers. And they have medical supplies in their car. They're trained. And we have an app that locates exactly where they are 24-7. So if something happens, they buy them. We will find the closest people. If it's an emergency, they will be responding, and they will be saving lives. I was once in the Tala headquarters, and I know you were developing at that time the radio system, which I'm assuming is the one you're referring to, where, where instead, of, instead of putting out a call and expecting to hear back from somebody who might be near the place of the emergency, now you're able to determine exactly where all those volunteers are, right? Is that the system these days? Yes, this was uh, the Moscow Compass started many years ago. We were the first one before any other app in the world. We actually started before it was called app. Before iPhone, we located volunteers based on their GPS location. Very simple. And a volunteer could be in the middle of a meeting in a place that he doesn't even, he's not familiar with. And the closest emergency nearby him will be allocated to him because that person is closer. And today we have Six and a half thousand volunteers, men and women, by the way, who are responding to emergencies that are close to them. And uh, we get there in 90 seconds in some cities, not all of them. We want to get, our goal is to get to 90 seconds nationwide. And to lower response time, you need to train more volunteers. We need to buy more ambicycles. Every day we treat almost 2,000 people. And our goal is to make sure that no one has to wait more than 90 seconds. Right. You know, you bring up something that um, uh, here has always been a sensitive topic. Um, I know, and I'm not familiar enough to discuss it with uh, with authority, but I know that, uh, generally speaking, the Hatzal organization here and the lifesavers that are called upon are generally men. I know that there is... Um, uh, a concerted effort to keep it uh, um, as you know, people from our observant communities uh, certainly not opening up to uh, to women or to um, to non Jews, etc. And you have gone completely in the opposite direction. Uh, not only do you have, as you described it, you know, people of all backgrounds, uh, but you have women who are volunteers, you have non Jews who are volunteers, and nonetheless, it seems you still have the uh, praise of the uh, great rabbis of Israel. How did you work that out? Because, first of all, we, we really didn't compromise when it came to halacha. We, are, we invest a lot of our time and energy and finances towards halacha. We have a whole department of Rabbanim who actually really care about the halacha. Now, over the years, I tell it was only men and only Orthodox Jews, and it bothered me, because here in Israel, when, when we have a missile from, a, a, a grad missile coming in from Gaza, it doesn't really, it's not allocated only for men, it's allocated for anyone who's getting hurt, <laughs> and we had situations where we had to treat many, many people, we had only, we didn't have enough volunteers, and we had to train more volunteers, and we saw that women are more available in certain areas, and the second thing that we saw that we had to fix, it was a big problem, and it's a problem everywhere, but we had the guts to do it. And you have to read in the book how we did it and how that we got the Rabbanim to agree to it. We saw women who are suffering from terrible 
personal problems like miscarriage. It's a terrible trauma, emotional trauma and physical trauma, but they need help. And you can't do anything about it. A woman could treat that kind of situation much better. Also emotionally. And or delivering a baby. Why do we need four Hasidim delivering a baby while you have four midwives nearby? And this is something that I wanted to do and I had to go to the Rabbanim and do it. And, and we got the approval. We did it according to Allah in a very modest way. And today we have over a thousand women volunteering in United Hatzalah. We are not the Hatzalah of New York or Hatzalah of Florida or any other place. We are a separate organization, so we have our own Rabbanim. We have tremendous respect for the organizations operating in other places. And we are, we use the same name, but we operate in Israel. We treat almost 800,000 people a year. And we, may, we, we have our own rules, and, and we realize that in our case, we need to have women responding to emergencies, and I think this is one of the greatest things we ever did. It's just interesting how different it is on this side of the world, but I can't argue with you. It's, uh, it's certainly an amazing accomplishment, at least it seems that way. In the 20 minutes that we've been speaking, how many calls do you think have come into the United Hatzalah headquarters? I didn't hear that, sorry. In the 20 minutes that we've been speaking, how many calls do you think have come into the United Hatzalah headquarters? Well, we average in this time, it's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 2.20 in the afternoon, and we have around 7 calls a minute. This is very busy time, and uh, this is, we, ha- we can have, this is like the busiest time now, from, from 2 to 6. There's a lot of car accidents, we're treating a lot of people, and injuries and, and, and a lot of emergencies. We treat almost 2,000 people a day. At nighttime, we can have two calls a minute. Uh, you know, it goes down. Uh, sometimes we have, every few minutes, we have a call in the middle of the night. On Shabbos, we have a lot less calls. So we have, we have statistics around the clock to know when we need more, uh, where we need more people, what time of the day, and we change it all the time. We train our volunteers based on that. So if one does the math, I mean, there's some volunteers who must be very busy on a regular basis. Yeah, some volunteers just love doing it. I mean, you could see that in any Atzala, even in Atzala, New York, you have volunteers who go out to 100 calls a month, 200 calls a month. It's a lot of emergencies, but they love it, and they don't get paid. None of the volunteers, no matter if they're in New York or in Israel, they, they don't, not only they don't get paid, it's very special. The volunteers don't don't even get reimbursed on their expenses on the gasoline, for the ambicycles, for the cars. They do it with shame to mind, and they love it. And the more emergency calls, the more the more they could do, they 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 feel accomplished. They want it. It's pretty remarkable. Ellie Beer is with us. The book is remarkable. It's called the uh, It's called Ninety Seconds: The Epic Story of Ellie Beer. And United Hatzalah, written by Nachman Seltzer, it's a uh, almost 500-page book and goes through the entire history and the entire uh, uh, accomplishment of getting United Hatzalah to where it is today. Um, I didn't realize that your uh, that the the struggle with COVID was as long as it was. I remember the video where you told the world that you were about to be. Um, uh, that you were about to be put into essentially what was a coma, I would assume, right? Sedated to the point that it, it would act like a coma, I would guess. And I didn't realize that lasted about four weeks. Am I right? About four weeks? 
yeah, this is like, uh, this is the battle of my life. Um, I was put into, I was induced into coma. I was one of the first ones in Miami to be induced into coma. Uh, this, this was three years ago exactly today. I was in a coma. And um, it was right at the Purim. And uh, I had to say goodbye to my children. And the story is, is incredible because I didn't think I'll survive. The doctors, I was one doctor was very honest with me. He said, oh, you have a 5% chance of survival. And um, he was right. I had a 5% chance of survival. But the davening and Amisro, and I think everyone who's listening today was on your, on your show is davening for me. And it's incredible. Like I fight for people's lives and people are fighting for my life in the most difficult time of my life. What I find difficult to understand is if you had a 5% chance to survive, not being put into a coma was less of a chance to survive. Well, no one knew then, you know, this is a question. This was like the, the biggest question going on. Should we put people in a coma and put them on a ventilator or not? And I think the doctors today agree that if I wasn't put in a coma and they put me on a ventilator, I wouldn't have survived. I couldn't breathe. I didn't have any oxygen in my lungs. My level was going down from minute to minute. And uh, they, they were, we had the best doctors in the world on the phone. I had Dr. Joel Sandberg who took responsibility on my life. He's an incredible human being. He took over my the responsibility for the decisions that were made on my behalf. And they had no choice but to put me, induce me into coma, put me on a ventilator. And some people were actually against it. I had, I had, um, I had some doctors in Israel who were totally against it, were, were fighting with the doctors in Miami and saying to them, I have one doctor, Dr. Avi Rifkin, who told the doctor in Miami, I'll, I will personally come to Miami and strangle you if you put him on a, on a, in a in an induce him in Tacoma. And, and the doctor said, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Your doctor Israel says, no. I say, yes. What do I do? I don't know what to do. I said, listen, let me ask a third doctor. And I called a doctor I just got to know, an incredible human being, Dr. Zevi Newworth. And I told him, um, the situation, he knew already my situation. And he asked me, do they have ventil- uh, ventilators available in this hospital? I said, yes. He said, grab one while you still have one. That was his answer. And I did. And uh, it was a big scare. I don't know if you remember, in New York, they didn't have ventilators. Yeah, of course. It was a frightening situation. I, 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 I would imagine... I would imagine knowing the relationship that you have with members of our community around the world, more than once you were told, Ellie, we knew you'd make it through. <laughs> and, that, and that must be a great feeling, but also a frustrating feeling because some people just didn't realize just how dire a situation you were in. Did you hear from many people who said we knew you'd make it? Um, yeah, you know, like to say after the case, everyone could say, you know, I knew, I knew that case, but I was really worried. I was, I said goodbye to my kids. I, I spoke to every child of mine, telling them how much I love them and how much they're important for me and how much I want them to be good Jews. I wanted all my kids to be good, good, good human beings. And I told them like, I, I could hardly talk. I, I didn't have oxygen in my lungs, but I was talking to them. And I knew it's my last time I'm talking to them. And it was true. It was 
it was the hardest thing in the world to say goodbye to your 12 year old daughter. It was like, they give me time. The doctor says, I give you a half hour to talk to your kid. And uh, I needed a half hour to every kid. And I thought thinking about it, my wife and I gave her, I said, listen, Kitty, you'll be okay. We have a life insurance. You'll, you'll make some money, you know, whatever. And she was screaming at me and yelling at me. You're not, we're not using your life insurance. And I'm like, I'm, it's done. I'm, that's it. I am, I'm not going to survive this because look, I was reading what was going on in, in, in China, what was going on in, in Italy and in, in Spain. It was a disaster. And, and New York was just starting. I said it, you know, this is a pandemic that you're talking about where millions of people die. I'm one of them. And I'm sure. And, and people just stopping for me. And, and by the way, the doctor put me into a coma. He was like, sure, I'm not going to, you're not going to, it was, he was hesitant, but he said, well, we'll do everything. I said, Davin for me, pray for me. He wasn't Jewish. He said, I'm not, I'm an atheist. When I woke up, he came over to me and he says, I started believing in God again. Wow. What was it like when you woke up and realized you were alive? Well, I had to pinch myself a couple of days. I didn't believe I was alive. And first of all, I was like, I thought I was kidnapped. I was like, I'm delusions for a few days. I was, my wife called me up. I said to her in Hebrew, call the FBI because I was kidnapped. They're going to kill me if they find that I'm Jewish. <laughs> so I was really in a, for a few days, I was in a depression. And, and you have to read the book because in the book, I actually open my heart and I tell everything. I don't hide anything. I wanted to resign from the United SLA after 30 years. I just wanted to resign. I didn't want to continue. And I, and, and you have to read why I decided to stay. And, and resign because enough was enough. Like it was just, it's too crazy a life or you, you gained an appreciation for other things while all this was going on. What would you say? First of all, I woke up in a really bad emotional distress. It was ICU deliriums. I was in, in a really bad personal situation. I was like depressed. I went, I went, I was Shaliyah Mitzvah. I went to, to raise money for United Hotel in Miami. I went to speak. I went to work. I went to APAC. I went for good things and all of a sudden I'm dying. Right. And then I wake up like, uh, I woke up 30, 40 pounds less than when I went to sleep with. And I couldn't get up. I couldn't, I couldn't use the toilet. I was, I was in a diaper. And uh, I was so depressed. I said, okay, enough is enough. I don't want to continue with the United States. I was so depressed. And people tried calling me and convincing me, come back to Israel. I didn't want to come back. I had Miriam Adelson call me. Dr. Miriam Adelson called me. She said, every day I prayed for you. For the first time in my life, I said to Helen, because of you, I never said to Helen. Sheldon Adelson's wife. And she said, I was praying for you. I was davening for you every day. You have to go back to Israel. And I didn't want to go back. You have to read about it. And uh, we know that on your way back from the hospital to the airport, there was quite a parade, quite a Sunday afternoon, if I recall correctly, of uh, people greeting you and hundreds of cars uh, being utilized as an escort for you to the plane. And then, of course, in Israel itself, my gosh, uh, in Israel itself, it's one of the most remarkable scenes as your colleagues and uh, your volunteers decided to uh, get together at the airport and treat you as a true VIP. Um, I, I think you'll understand how I'm asking this question. You, you, would, you preferred it that way, or you might have uh, been happier if you would have snuck into Israel as opposed to that celebration? You have to understand, I didn't know anything about the celebration. I, wouldn't have, I don't like it. Just, I don't like to be 
it was felt very weird. I was wearing pajamas, coming off a plane, could hardly walk. I was uh, holding me, and all of a sudden I see a thousand people waiting for me. The airport was locked down. They didn't have any other flights coming into Israel. And the feeling was weird. I, I actually, in Miami, I had hundreds of people, you know, driving towards, you know, with their cars. They couldn't get out of their cars. Right. They were, like, escorting me. I actually thought it was my funeral. <laughs> and I said, wow, what a nice funeral. Like, they made a nice funeral for me. And then I come to Israel, I see another funeral. I said, okay, they're going to bury me in Beit Shemesh somewhere. I don't know. Like, that's what I was thinking. And this is a few days after I woke up. And uh, then I realized what an incredible, you know, I love all these volunteers. I love them so much. I would do anything for them. And all of a sudden they, they showed me love back and it was incredible. It, was, it gave me physic to continue for the next 30 years. You mentioned how you love the volunteers. There's nothing worse than losing one of them, right? Well, we lost, unfortunately, since the book was written, another volunteer in a terrible accident on an ambicycle. You can read the story about Effie Gadassi, incredible story. Uh, he was the first volunteer who was killed on a mission next to the Waldorf Hotel near Jolene on an ambicycle. And um, how that really shook in the whole organization. We almost decided to shut down the ambicycle unit. Just a month ago, we lost another volunteer, and it's very, very hard. Every single time, Yoel Suisa, he's an incredible father, four kids. He's, he went to the nuclear facility in Israel, in Imona. He lived in Imona, and he, um, and he, he was a tzaddik. He went at the 60 emergency every month. He was killed by a terrible accident. And... Um, I, I go through this and I take it personal, like my own family. I spend days with them and I was in the morgue with his son. And I, and it is like my own child, every single volunteer, no matter if the volunteer is a firm volunteer or a secular or an Arab, I look at them as people who gave their lives to others. They deserve the, the best respect. Yeah, pretty amazing. I have to ask you about a couple of situations. I mean, look, the United Hatzal has been involved in God knows how many thousands of situations, but there are a couple that are high profile, and I need your perspective on them. Tell me about the United Hatzal volunteers' role in Mayron. In Mayron, two thousand uh, two years ago. Yeah. I mean, three years ago. Yeah. Uh, this was one of the darkest nights of our life. Um, every year we knew that a tragedy is going to happen every single year. We would say we will probably have one or two people die from, you know, the pushing and everything. And we used to bring a bottle of whiskey and every single year we had hundreds of volunteers come to help as volunteers. We didn't charge. We would just be there helping people who were injured. Sometimes we had over a thousand people that in, in a few days that we treated there. You know, heart attacks, we had we had a woman deliver a baby, we had people pushed, we had injuries, but we, we always was worried about someone dying. And every year we would make a l'chaim, thank God we had a miracle this year. And three years ago, unfortunately, we didn't have a l'chaim. We, we did CPR on, on, on 45 people who died, we tried saving. And a few people we did save. We had a few miracles that we saved people, but being there and the volunteers seeing, you know, we, my daughter, my, my daughter, Vigal, 
Uh, she was she was there doing CPR to seven different people, including um, Morris, the kid uh, from New Jersey. Kid Morris, um, Danny Morris, right. who who died, and she she did CPR trying to save him, and she. My daughter was traumatized for, for months and had needed treatment like every other volunteer because this was so dramatic ball. But like, this was a personal tragedy. And we never expected 45 people to die and 300 people to be injured. And as much as conditions have been improved, even last year was a challenge, right? Even last year was... Uh where you, where you really need the cooperation of the people in order to make sure things are safe, and it and it becomes a challenge. It totally becomes a challenge, and everyone wants their, you know, power, and people had so much power, and no one was really looking at the big picture. And no one, everyone had their own little shtetl there, their own little shul, their own little minion, their own little fire, and everyone was like, no one was really coordinating this whole effort. And uh, even now, I don't. I, I hope this. Last, yesterday, we were in the Knesset, talking to the Knesset members who are in charge, and and talking about things that we we see. That I rather not talk about it in public, but it's terrible, terrible, and it should be fixed immediately for the coming year. Wow. Uh, tell me about Ukraine. Why did you feel the need to uh, extend? United Hatzalah's role outside of Israel and to help those who were in dire situations in Ukraine? Well, listen, my father grew up in New York, Lower East Side. I think that's where you grew up, right? I didn't grow up here, but uh, that's where our, our main headquarters is, yeah. So Lower East Side, my father grew up there, and my father was a young boy. He was only um, 10 years old when the Holocaust started. And my father, 10 years old, and he went to raise money to save Jews from the Holocaust. And my father was raising a penny and, and, and a quarter and whatever it was to raise, to raise money to save more Jews running away from Europe. And when I got a phone call from a woman in Israel telling me that we need to save her a little baby, a little baby girl who was stuck in Ukraine in a hospital, she said, if I don't, if we don't save that little baby, the baby will be di- die or kidnapped, or I don't know what's going to be. The baby was in a hospital in Bucha, which is destroyed by the Russians. And my daughter, and this woman said, "Please save my my daughter." I remembered my father's story about the Holocaust, and I remembered what he did to save Jews in the Holocaust. And I said, "I have to do everything possible to save this little girl." And really, this is while I was in Florida by Rabbi Goldberg's shul, Bokhartone Synagogue. My teens were already there in Ukraine, and I sent them out to save this little girl. It took three days to get her out of there, and we got her back to Israel. <laughs> and this is this is what I was taught by my father. And I and I said, you know, Koli Swala Ravian Zelazeh, we have a responsibility. You know, it wasn't our duty. This is the UN's duty. This is the Red Cross duty. But this is our responsibility as Jews. And when we went there, people were saying to me, Ellie, why are you going there? You know, I didn't know the Jewish. So I said, we're not helping anyone because they're Jewish. We're helping them because we are Jewish. Pretty amazing, frankly. All of this is only possible because of the friendships that you've made around the world. People from uh, Israel, the United States, and many other countries who are supporters of United Hatzalah and understand the value of unity, united, 
and understand the value of life, of uh, being able in 90 seconds to get to somebody whose life is in danger. Uh, how about a word about those who have been so supportive and who've really given you what's necessary in order to make this dream a reality? Well, it's just really this book is so incredible because it talks about all aspects, about the miracles, about stories, but also talks about the people behind the organization who don't get credit, the people who support incredible life-saving missions like in Ukraine or in Israel. Um, and I talk about people, some people, I talk about their names and who they are and, and how hard it was and, how, and, and inc- incredible stories about people and challenging it's not so easy to raise money. It's a very hard mission to raise money. And I, I could say over the years, I learned to love the people who support. And I look at volunteers in Israel who are giving their life. I look at them as the biggest donors. So I'm asking them to go out to another emergency, to go out to another emergency. So it's easy for me to ask someone to give another motorcycle or an ambulance because I'm asking the volunteers the same. And the stories about them is in, are incredible. It's really interesting. You'll meet some people. You'll 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 actually know their name. You'll hear, you've heard of them before, but uh, someone you never heard of before. Pretty amazing international effort to support the great work of United Hatzalah. And finally, what did you think of Rabbi Seltzer's uh, final product? What do you think of the the book after he had completed it? I think Rabbi Seltzer is brilliant. I didn't really know him so well. I knew him a little from his music, but I think he's brilliant. The guy is a genius. He comes with this tiny little recorder, like 1970. He doesn't have a cell phone. From Radio Shack? I'm not kidding. Yeah, from Radio Shack. I bought the same, my walkie-talkies from the same place that I bought it the same year he bought it. And he has, he has a phone that was, Built in 1991, the same phone, Nokia, the first Nokia ever, and that's how he's walking around. I can't reach him by by WhatsApp. I don't have any communications by internet with him. Only emails, and he wrote an incredible book. That's, I don't know how he did it. Like he wrote it. Like I was, he was interviewing me. I I thought I'm talking to a psychologist. <laughs> he went into the kishkis. I tell him a story. He says I was in a restaurant with this and this. What What did you eat? I said I had a sandwich. What kind of sandwich? What what was in the sandwich? I have to tell him I had salad and I had uh, I had a, I had a, a salmon and I had lox. I, whatever he wants to know, what kind of lox was it? <laughs> Every detail, unbelievable human being. I love I love Rabbi Seltzer. I never knew him before, but he's a genius and a brilliant guy. And he wrote fifty books, almost fifty books, which is incredible. Yeah, pretty remarkable. And this audience certainly knows just how amazing he is the book is called 90 seconds the epic story of ellie beer and united hot seller by nachman seltzer is the author go to artsgirl.com make sure to use promo code radio for your discount and free shipping again it's called 90 seconds the epic story of ellie beer and united hot check it out today at artsgirl.com are you are you would you say you're 100 percent healthy now how would you describe your situation now that uh, we're past covid at least we think we're past covid at this point well in my i think we passed covid now we have other troubles we have iran we have terrorists we have other problems we have to deal with and when you have israeli politics which is not pleasant we have to keep this organization above politics 
And I think we're doing a good job. We have achdus that we have to keep in Eretz Yisrael and saving life. And COVID was a very hard time for me, but I think this time is hard. It's hard. What's going on in Israel now? But if you read the book and see about 90 seconds, you'll see how we were able to unite people who otherwise would be demonstrating one against each other and fighting and screaming and throwing things at each other and in one organization. And I think that's, that's a uniqueness of United Hatzalah. No question about it. It's something unique and something that we don't see very often. Uh, the incredible unity and the incredible organization. Uh, it's called 90 Seconds, the epic story of Ellie Beer and United Hatzalah, written by Nachman Seltzer. Ellie, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Mazal tov on the book. And uh, continued success. You're doing incredible work, and uh, it's just an absolute pleasure to see how the organization continues to grow and to flourish. Thank you very much. I want to thank uh, Dalia Zlatovic and his whole team, Aaron, and everyone there. They're incredible. They believe in the mission, and they really worked hard to make sure this book comes out perfect. And you can also buy it on Amazon, by the way. It's not a conflict. And Amazon, just look up 90 seconds. If people, it's easier for them to go to an Amazon. Or just go into, go into your bookstore. Go into one of the bookstores, Eichler's or whatever store you have, and get it. It's in the stores, and I hope you get inspired. Oh, I'm sure any reader will be, as I was. Thank you, Ellie, and take care. Thank you so much, Nachum. Great to be by you all the time. Appreciate that very much. And Mazal Tov again on your most recent addition to the family. 90 Seconds, the epic story of Ellie Beer and United Hatzalah, written by Nachman Seltzer. Go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code RADIO. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. Bishfield, I call for every waking moment. Bishville, I call from all the nations we are chosen. Bishville, I call for this Torah and all its deep meaning. Bishville, I call, Anach Numodim. Bishville, I call, I got their smiles and their laughter. Bishville, I call for all the times that we can feel you looking at Bishville, I call for all those miracles that forever go unseen. Bishville, I call, Anach Numodim. Bishvira kol anachnu modi This amazing world we live in Bishville, I call And every day you are rebuilding it Bishville, I call From the sunrise to the cool moonbeams Bishville, I call Anach Numodim Bishville, I call Anach Numodim oh, 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 oh. 
for this heart that never skips a beat And for this air that in and out we breathe We got a million reasons to say thank you
Sai, Achimberei, Anta Bruno Shobolonor, Remanachai, Achimberei, Anta Bruno Shobolonor, Reman Beis Hashem, Hashem Eloikeinu, Avaxo, Avaxo, Tuvovovovovo. with Lamana Chai. Simcha Liner before that with Harbei Nachat and you heard RJ2. Bishvili Hakol here at JM in the AM. Tuesday morning broadcast, JM in the AM got a note from listener David. Happy anniversary going out to Sandy and Elliot Klein of Woodmere. Happy anniversary, Sandy and Elliot. Happy 35th anniversary 
to Judy Anuti Holzer of Passaic, New Jersey. Mazal Tov. Happy anniversary from all of us here at JM in the AM. This coming Thursday, we um, dedicate our New York studio. Friday, our New Jersey studio here at JM in the AM. Coming up at 9 o'clock, uh, just minutes from now, by Dr. David Hertzberg. This week's episode of Israel at 75 is the U.S. reverses its position. The U.S. reverses its position. That's coming up at 9 o'clock here on JM in the AM, or I should say right after JM in the AM. Uh, the live lunch is uh, hosted by Avrami at 11 a.m. And at 1 o'clock, we'll do the uh, replay of our visit to the NBN Nefesh Benefesh Medex event. This past Sunday, we'll have that for you coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern time right after the live lunch with Avrami here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, today's my father's yard site. We dedicate uh, the show today, of course, in memory of our Rav Zeb and Rabbi Yosef Halevi. And a lot of people are commenting on the interview with Ellie Beer. And uh, a lot of comments on the app about the interview, and yeah, it's a it's a story of unity, which is rare these days, very rare. Very rare that people would care about each other at this level, but um, he has a way of, just an incredible way of, uh, of painting a picture of unity and then uh, actually following it through. Uh, check it out. The book is called 90 Seconds, Ellie Beer in United Hatzalah. It's America's, uh, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemSegal.com and the AlchemSegal Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. Wraps up a uh, Tuesday here at JM in the AM. Plenty more tomorrow starting at 6 a.m. And, of course, as we said, a full day of programming, including the live lunch at 11 o'clock and the encore presentation of our visit to the Nefesh Benefesh Medex event coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a fabulous Tuesday. Till tomorrow, Nachum's go reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. <laughs>